just going to give you a bit of a heads up. Uh, we're in a series right now. We started last week. It's called Real Talks. And it's about addressing the elephants in the room. And so if you're new to church and, and you, you think that church is just talking about stuff that maybe you don't understand, uh, our hope is we're going to talk about stuff that you really, really do understand. All right? We're going to kind of dig into an extension of last week's service. Last week's sermon was entitled Real Talks, Sexual Brokenness. All right? But we felt we can't just leave it sitting there at sexual brokenness. We need to have a real talk about sexual health. How did God design this thing to be in a way that brings fulfillment and brings life to us? And so we're going to have a talk today about sexual health. Before we do that, I just want to say thank you to our friends who helped us out from the Sea Cadets today with our little ceremony. Can we just give them a, a thank you? So the rest of the story, when it comes to sexuality, continuing on from last week, the rest of the story is so much better. Okay? It's so much better. And if you missed last week's sermon, we encourage you to get caught up. You can do that at evangelpc.com forward slash media. Or you can go to our podcast. If you go to the iTunes store, look up our podcast, Evangel Pentecostal Church. Just search that. You'll find us there. And you can listen and get, get kind of up to date on where we have been. But believe it or not, God invented sex. Did you know that? God invented sex. He knows more about having great sex than you do. Okay? We don't think in those terms, do we? When we think of God, we strike us with lightning if we even think about the S word. Right? No, no. God invented sex. He created it. And so he's going to have the best perspective on how to do it in such a way that it brings life and fulfillment. Amen? Come on. God designed sex. So the big question today for a real, real talk is this. Why sex? Why sex? And how can we be sexually healthy in a sexually broken world? Why sex and how can we be sexually healthy in a sexually broken world? And this week we want to switch gears and, and we're going to talk about the beauty of our sexuality. And there's three things. So if you're taking notes, write these down. He's going to come with the three major themes today. Maybe we take notes in this church. I, I asked a few Sundays ago who has their notebook or using their phone to take notes. Who's got their notebook here today? We were, this number is growing and growing. Let's keep that up because there's something great about writing things down. Our brains process things differently when we write things down. And so let's take notes here today. God's design is to be naked and unashamed. God's design for sex is to be naked and unashamed. Second, God's design is about unity. God's design for sex is about unity. And then finally, God's design is best. God's design is is best. Now, you may be sitting here as a single individual. Maybe you're single here and you're thinking, I'm about to completely tune out for the next 30 minutes. This is not for me. Listen, 
This is for you. Have you heard the term true love waits? Who's heard that term? It was, I think it was made kind of really famous back in the 90s in churches, true love waits. But my question was, waits for what? True love waits. Wait, waits for what? Why should I wait? That was my question when I was a teenager, when I was a young adult. Why should I wait? Waits for what? True love waits. Great. That sounds great. But waits for what? And today we hope to unpack a picture of a preferred future for you. Because we die. We die when we don't have vision. When we don't have vision of a preferred future, we don't do so well. But when someone paints us a picture of a preferred future, what it could be, what your life could look like, there's something to wait for. Amen? So if you're single here, if you're just dating, if you're engaged, don't tune out. This is for you. Because God has a preferred future for your sexuality. And it's beautiful. And you don't want to miss out on it. It's easier to remain sexually healthy as a, as a single person when you see the benefits of that journey being played out in the long run. Now still others of you maybe you may not have a desire to be intimate with another person and in, in that way and that's okay. Uh, Paul, Paul actually refers to you. Paul himself didn't get married his whole life. He stayed single his whole life. And here's why. Because he was intimate with Jesus. And he had a mission and he had a calling on his life that was so profound that it took up all of him. And so you may be sitting in this room and you're going, yeah, I'm single, but I don't have aspirations to be with anybody. You know what? This sermon is for you today because this sermon is not just about sex. When we talk about sex, we think in terms of what culture tells us to think about. That's not what sex is. Sex is about intimacy. It's about relationship. It's about the deepest relationship that you're going to have with another person on this planet. And that translates as well to you that are single, going, I can have a relationship of intimacy with God and the calling that he's placed in my life. So this is for you as well. Don't tune out. God's design to be naked and unashamed. So in order, in order to understand the creation of sexuality, we need to go way back to the beginning. So we're going to go to Genesis. If you have your Bibles, turn with us to Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 to 25. Genesis chapter 2 is the very first book in the Bible. It's going to be at the very beginning of your Bible. Chapter 2 and verses 24 to 25. And as you're turning there, I want to say one thing really quickly. You can see up on the screen. Uh, you know what? Maybe look at that screen because that one's a little faded. This one's a little better. You can see it says, email your questions to lucas at evangelpc.com. And so here's what we're going to do today. It's going to be a little bit different, but, but we want to have real talks with you, okay? And real talks is not presentation. Real talks is us having a discussion. So the way we feel we can do this, if you have your phones with you today, pull out your phone, and if any time you have questions on this topic from last week as well as this week, Email your question to me. This will be kept private. I'll be deleting all these emails after the service, after we go through it, all right? But we're going to take questions for you. So if you're sitting here and you have a question pop into your mind as we're going, 
Or you want to push back a little bit on, on an idea, that's okay. Email your questions, and after this sermon, we're going we're gonna to kind of have a bit of a discussion using your questions that have come in today. Yeah. Is that okay? But right now, so don't Don't, don't wait. wait. Do it now. As soon as you have a question, do it now. This All morning, right? we're going to answer You're allowed your to questions. be on your phone. You're allowed to be on your phone doing your thing. You can try stumping This us. morning. But we're really good. Does everybody understand? All right, Genesis 2, 24 to 25. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. I want you to notice something about the timing of this statement. Adam is actually making this statement. And this is before, okay, this is before they had sex for procreation purposes. That's important, okay? Because yes, is sex about procreation? Yes. The answer is yes. But that's only part of it. You need to notice. We don't see procreation sex until Genesis chapter 4. When he's referencing sex here, he's talking about something more than just procreation. All right? Now, not all the writers of Scripture reference sex and marriage, but those that do, they agree that sexual intimacy is meant to stay in the boundaries of marriage. The act of leaving your mother and your father and holding fast to your wife or to your husband is to be done in the context of marriage. And this is the original intention. And when we live in this way, in the way in which we were designed, we experience God's best for us. We need to understand, you are a created being. God created you. God created your sexuality. So it stands to reason that God's owner's manual is better than your opinion on sexuality. It stands to reason that God's owner's manual is better than this culture's definitions and opinions on sexuality. God created you. He created your sexuality. So it stands to reason that he knows best of how to live this out in full fulfillment with your spouse. The word used for the idea of holding fast here means to cling to one another. Keep close to one another. Alright? This is monogamous relationship. This is one man, one woman, together for a lifetime. This is God's design for sexuality. How many of you married people have said something similar to this? I'm so glad that I don't have to date anymore. Who's ever said that? You look around, you go, oh my God, I'm so glad those days are over. Now you single people, I'm sorry. I wouldn't even know how to swipe. I'm like, swipe right or left, I don't know. For those of you using Tinder, don't do it. But I've said it, I'm so glad that I don't have to date anymore. I'm so glad that I can just be myself. I have someone in this life that I can just be completely me with. And I'm not judged, and I'm not beaten down, and I'm not ashamed. I have someone I can be absolutely real with in this life. 
And that's a beautiful gift. That's a beautiful gift. And that only works within the boundaries of a monogamous marriage relationship. Because outside of that, outside of that commitment and covenant for life, the trust level just can't be there. To be completely free in who you are with another human being. Because you always think in your back of your mind, what if, what if they're not committed to the same level that I am? This is the picture that God has chosen to be a reminder of the kind of intimacy He wants with us. Through Jesus, we can be naked and not ashamed before God. That's why the enemy has done everything in his power to drag sex and sexuality into places of perversion and brokenness. You see, Satan doesn't have the power to create anything. He cannot create anything. The only thing he can do, the only option he has is taking God's best and twisting it and perverting it into brokenness and shackles for God's creation. That's how he gets back at God. He can only take what God has created and pervert it and twist it and cause it to bring shame and burden and brokenness into our lives. But here's the beautiful thing. When we are faithful to God's way, and submit our lives to Christ Jesus, we can experience being naked and unashamed and find places of freedom, safety, and intimacy with our spouse. When you and your spouse get before God and go deep in Jesus and go deep in one another in intimacy, both emotional, physical, and spiritual, there is a level of being naked and unashamed that will blow your mind and there's a safety there man if you want to have great sex be a safe place for your wife physically emotionally and spiritually be a safe place women if you want to connect with your husband in emotional intimacy, let him know that you respect him as a man and speak words of affirmation over him. I said it last week, us men, we pretend like we're tough. We're not. We aren't. We're little babies just looking for someone to say that they love us and they respect us and they affirm us. We're hungry for words of affirmation. God's design for sex is to be naked and unashamed, going deep in Jesus and going deep in one another, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Yeah, and that safety allows us to really be united. And we know that God's heart in all things is for unity. We see that in who he is. We see that in his directions for the church. And so it only makes sense that in a relationship that he created he would institute it to bring unity that's god's heart always and so if we back up a verse in what lucas read in genesis 2 and start at 23 the man said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man 
And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. In that design, we were actually one created into two, right? And before mothers and fathers were even a thing, there's this command that we would become again united. Let nothing divide you. Leave all that is yours individual to unite with your spouse and create a new ours, a new family unit. Create something that is united. And this really is for our best because we each need this relationship that's going to be our accountability, our encouragement, our confident, our confidant, sorry, our cheerleader. And we talk about this within community groups. That's why we need people within the church. But like Lucas said, there just isn't that same level with friendships that there's gonna be in your marriage relationship. There's just not gonna be that same level of trust and vulnerability within especially within a group setting, as there is going to be behind those closed doors in the intimacy of your marriage. And this is how we were designed. It's how we were created to come together naturally within marriage in this intimacy for this strength for one another. In Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 to 12, it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. It's this braiding together of our entire lives not just the two of us, but with God that keeps us strong. This unity is our protection. If you think of like rubbing a braid over a sharp surface, right? It just can still stand up for so much longer than rubbing a thread. And to have that person that you know has your back no matter what, that is calling out your best, that is speaking truth always, even when it hurts. We need that. And that is only going to happen naturally and to the fullest extent within a monogamous committed relationship. For example, for example, Lisa is my greatest cheerleader in life. Okay? my greatest cheerleader in life. But she's also the person who's most honest with me. Because she can see what you can't see. She can see what my friends can't see. And so there are times when she's my greatest cheerleader and there's times where she gives me a reality check that I need. And this is truth and love. And this is the dynamic of relationships. So we're going to um, kind of go into God's design is best. And 
we're just going to start with some biology because I love biology. And I love the way that God created us. And I actually wanted to go into the medical field. That was my, my intended path. And so I love the insights that science brings us as to how God wired us. I think it's fascinating. And having sex is, is part of this. There is so much that happens within our brains and within our bodies that's fascinating that looks at how God's design for us in a committed sexual relationship is best. And we really don't need to go much further than just our brains. We can cut out all the emotional stuff. No, just we can. But, ladies, if your husband is stressed, do you know the best thing you can do for him? Have sex. There is just this amazing chemical reaction that happens in a guy's brain where uh, serotonin and prolactin are both released that actually switch their brain off. The prefrontal cortex literally turns off. And that's the part that's the mental activity part, like the list and the problem solving and everything switches off. It's also the whole tired thing after. That's what's happening. And so a great gift, and you know what? How many times, just gonna be honest, okay? How many times has not tonight, honey, I'm tired come out of our mouths? And God's design is best because God's design is about selflessness. And sometimes we just have to say, all right, self, no. Because the one that I have committed to, the one that I'm united with, the one that I am supposed to be naked and unashamed with has needs that right now have to trump mine. And that's okay, and that's not gonna be always, because we have needs that are sometimes gonna need to trump as well. But when we give our husbands the gift of sexual intimacy and the physical act, we truly are helping them in their brain chemistry to zone out for a little bit and to turn off all those lists. Men, if you want to be closer emotionally with your wife, you also should have sex. Because in a woman, oxytocin is released with, during sex that actually increases our levels of empathy towards our husbands. Or the person that, if you're not married and you're having sex, stop because it is increasing your levels of empathy and connectivity towards whoever you're having sex with. This is the chemical that's released in our brains when we deliver a baby we hold that baby for the first time and our brains actually release this so that we bond with that baby, it starts rewiring our brain to want to connect and to take care of this person that we're holding. It makes it so that our needs actually 
chemically become lower than the person that we're bonding with. We desire to take care of this person. We'll sacrifice for this person. That's what happens during sex in our brains. It's in Song of Solomon, um, verse or chapter 5, sorry, verse 16, the woman says, this is my beloved, this is my friend. And this is that oxytocin moment that can, helps us to not just connect sexually, but it, it actually rewires our brains, women, to connect emotionally. And there are many more. The female body is actually much more fascinating during sex. We won't go into all of that. Um, but this is this incredible moment where if you want this unity, this is why God's design is best. Is because during this act, we are actually, as women, falling deeper in love. Because our brains are releasing this. And men, if this is the case, then we need to be, we need to be strategic, all right? And when I say strategic, I don't mean, you know, when your wife says how you feel and you go, I'm stressed out. I don't mean strategic <laughs> in that way. We need to be strategic to understand what's going on bio biologically with our wives because there's, a, there's, a, there's an opportunity within the context of sexual intimacy with your spouse, husbands, to then suck it up and engage emotionally. Okay? Basically what I'm saying, don't just roll over and go to sleep. Suck it up and engage your wife emotionally. I'll tell you right now, it'll change everything. Not just in the bedroom. We're talking everything. It'll change your marriage. Suck it up. Don't roll over. Go to sleep. Engage your wife emotionally. Engage in conversation. Engage in where her world is at. Be a safe place emotionally. It'll change your marriage. I guarantee it. And women, we tend to think of sex as really physical. But when we say yes to sex, it's affirmation. It's, yes, I find you attractive. Yes, I love you. Yes, I desire you. And so if it's always no, 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 they're not hearing no sexually. It's so much more than that. The picture is bigger. For us, we can compartmentalize that well. That's just physical. And so sometimes, more often than not, we have to say, you know what? I'm saying yes to more than sex. I'm saying yes to what you mean to me in this way. This is why Paul, in, in I believe it's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, or maybe it's chapter 7, and he's talking about, hey, if you're married and you're fasting, he talks about fasting, fasting from sexual relations with your spouse. He says, don't do it for very long, okay? And agree upon a time. Because even Paul, as a single guy, leading the church, he recognized that regular sexuality, sexual intimacy needs to be regular within marriage. He recognized that. 
And so even when you're going to fast from it, make sure you're in agreement and make sure you set a time and don't go for too long. That tells you something about God's design for sex and for relationship and, and intimacy. Well, we have a few questions coming in already, so keep them coming. And we're going we're gonna to hit those in a little bit. So if you have any questions you want to write in, bring those, bring those in. So God's design is best. And it was funny, when I started studying for this part of the sermon, I was surprised by what I found. Um, I, I wanted to just go online, look up, okay, let's, let's look up the statistics and the research around marriage, monogamous sexual relations, how, how much more healthy that is, how much... And so I got online and I started looking up. You know what all the studies are asking? Here's, here's the question that these studies are asking. Does marriage make you happy? That's, that's, the, that's the premise of the studies. Does marriage make you happy? Or happier than those in multiple relationships over a span of the same time? It's an interesting dynamic because many of these studies show that married people in monogamous relations were not more happy than those who were not committed. So what does this mean? Does that, that, does that mean that God's way is not best? Well, unfortunately, I alluded to Sunday. I believe they're asking the wrong question. It's, it's fundamentally flawed from the beginning. They're asking the wrong question. And the fundamental issue is this. Does marriage make you happy? It inadvertently places the responsibility of your happiness squarely on the shoulders of the one you're married to. Does marriage make you happy? It's not about you. How many times have we said that here? Does marriage make you happy? It's not about you. It's about us. It's fundamentally flawed from the beginning. And this is an impossible burden to bear. I said it last week. If you're, if you're looking to your spouse to complete you, to make you happy, it's going to fail. It's done from the beginning. If that's the question you're asking of your spouse, to make you happy, to fulfill you, to give you life. Fundamentally from the beginning, you're destined for failure. Because we know only Jesus fulfills us and gives us a joy that goes beyond happiness and a fulfillment and a life that goes beyond and a mission and a purpose that's bigger than ourselves. And that's the mission and the purpose that he calls us to. If you want to have great intimacy in your marriage, start asking the question, am I the best version of me that I can give to my spouse? Write that down and ask your, yourself that question every day. Am I the best version of me that I can give to my spouse? Listen, single people here, you need to start asking the question today, what 
what do I need to do to be the best version of me on my wedding day? When I say yes for forever, what do I need to do today? What decisions and choices do I need to make today to be the best version of me when I say yes for forever? And if you don't know where to start with that, go through the love chapter, right? Am I patient? Am I kind? Do I keep record of wrongs? And just start asking those questions. It's a good starting block. When I was playing sports, I played a lot of sports. I was on a lot of teams in high school, and there's two kinds of players on, on, on the teams that I was with. And I had many friends and teammates whose, whose idea of, of practice was simply this. If, you, if the coach calls a practice, I'm going to go to practice. If the coach sends out the schedule for a game, I'll be at the game. I'll be at practice, the organized practice. I'll be at the game, and I'll be at tournaments. And so there are many, 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 many on our team that were like that. That's the way in which they came and engaged competitive sports. But the great players, the ones that got scholarships, the ones that went places within their craft, you know what they did? They practiced before the practice. They put the time in in the weight room without being asked to do it. They showed up to tryouts in the best shape of their lives and crushed it. Today, professional sports isn't like 50 years ago. Professional sports, they win the Super Bowl and they take a week off and then, boom, they're right back into training. Training, training. So when they show up to training camp, they're in the best shape of their lives. They're the best version of them and their skill sets and their physical prowess that they can be. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Men, I'm going to talk to you for a moment. Someone once said, marriage is the great crucible. Doesn't sound very positive, does it? Marriage is the great crucible. It reveals to you just how selfish you are. It reveals to you just how selfish you are. And this is a profound truth. Last week I had mentioned what an angry man I was in those, those six months of falling off the wagon with my pornography addiction. I said I didn't even have a fuse. I would just blow up at any moment, and Lisa took the brunt of it. I had to begin to ask my, you know, what, you know what's interesting from that season of my life? Lisa, um, after that season, we had talked, and she would bring up things that I had said. And I, I literally, I don't even remember. Half of that season, I don't even, I can't even recall it in my mind. I don't even remember. And, and she brings up some of the things that I had said, and I just, I would just hang my head in shame because I was not the best version of me to give to her. And she took the brunt of it. Men, women, don't just show up for practice. Don't, don't just show up for that weekend away. Or that night out with babysitters. Don't just show up for that 
anniversary weekend. Every day, ask yourself the question, by God's grace, am I becoming the best version of me? Am I looking more and more like Jesus every day? Am I becoming the best version of me to give as a gift to my spouse? You want to find happiness in this life? Make it about him. Make it about her. It may seem counterintuitive to the way our fallen, broken perspectives are. But you will find more than happiness. You'll find joy and you'll find fulfillment. God's way when it comes to sex and sexuality is best. And as we take this journey, there's a depth of intimacy and there's a potential for great sex. Not going to lie. God's way is best. And we're just going to close in prayer and then we're going to take your questions. And I, I still have questions coming in, so, so keep them coming. Lord, we just pray that you would take us on a journey of being the best version of us. That, Lord, we would be men and women that are devoted to one another within our marriage relationships. Lord, I pray for the single people in this room right now. Lord, as we, as we tried our very best to paint a picture of a preferred future, that, Lord, that they would wrestle, they would wrestle with today and what it takes and what it means to be the best version of themselves when they stand and say yes for forever on their wedding day. Lord, we pray that you protect them and you be with them. You give them strength. Lord, we recognize that we live in a culture of sexual brokenness. We live in a culture that is defining our happiness and relationship and sexuality with fundamental flaws in their questioning. But Lord, we also recognize that your way is best. We recognize that we are created by you. That sex and intimacy was your creation. And as a result, Lord, you know best. And so we want to be faithful, Lord. We want to be faithful to you. And we want to be faithful to our spouses. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we have some questions. Um,